You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. We are going to cover two parables today out of Mark chapter 4. Bounce around, we'll use some extra text out of that. Um, But first, I want to start off with a review, just to keep this fresh in our mind, of the tool that we've been using called PARDES. Uh, That's kind of the acronym. It's a real, you're like, why why do they spell it with all the weird capital, you know, are they doing the SpongeBob meme? Like, PARDES. But no, 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 it's Peshat, Ramez, Drosh, Soden. So we capitalize the important letters. I didn't come up with this. You can back up there a second so we can actually see what it says. The Peshat level, uh, that's the surface level reading of the parable. So we're going to go through the parable today. We're going to go through the parable of the soil and the parable of the lamp. And the surface level, when you just read it and you're like, this is the plot line for the story, right? This is the simple, straightforward plot line. This is what's going on. That's the Peshat. Now, the Ramez, within that story, within that plot line of the parable... There are little hints. There are Easter eggs, if you will, that call you back usually to an Old Testament passage that Jesus would use to draw our attention back to another story. And in that other story, we would find drosh, which is some hidden meaning. Drosh means to inquire or seek. And it's this deeper level truth that Jesus is embedding in that parable. It's, uh, if you read the Book of Virtues, the Book of Virtues is a story that's kind of based on, like, there's a hidden meaning, there's a deeper meaning behind the story, right? That's what we're going to see in the parables. And then the last one is sowed. Sowed, I don't have to worry about. The Lord has never blessed me with sowed, as far as I know. Sowed is secret or mystery. This is just revelation from God. Like, that wasn't in the text. You just figured this out because God blessed you. You're not that brilliant. That's sowed. So, we're going to dive into Mark chapter 4. We'll start with the first parable, and then we'll go to the second parable. Sound sound good? Cool. Uh, Again, he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold... A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. Only place to go was up. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Quick parable breakdown here. Characters that we have in this parable. It's good to identify the characters in the parables. Usually you're going to have a God figure and then you're going to have somebody that you should probably identify with in the parable. 
So in this, char- in this parable, we have three main characters. We have the sower, right? We got the seed, the thing that he's throwing out, and then we got the soil. Now, the soil is the variable of the parable. That's very tweetable. Did not mean to rhyme that, that good. I will never be not entertained by the variable of the parable. Now, the variable is you. The variable in any parable that you go through and you're like, usually the variable, that's you. You're supposed to identify and figure out which one of these am I. Now, this is an old teaching tool that they would use back in that time. I think it might have been Greek, actually. But it was this teaching template of the four different learners. The four different learners. And so we're presented with four different types of something that represent four different types of person. You might have like a sponge, a funnel, a sieve, and a strainer, right? The sponge soaks up everything, the good and the bad. The funnel doesn't retain any sort of knowledge, right? And then the sieve, the sieve is going to uh, pull things through, or it's going to push out, and it's going to separate things out, and it's going to separate the good and let go of the bad, versus the strainer, which might strain out the bad stuff and let all the good stuff go to waste. And it would say, what type of, which, which of these characters are you? And so in this parable, we have four soil types, four different types of learners, four different types of people. And so we're asked to question where, where the parable draws us in and says, what type of soil are you? Side note, Mark is establishing here in in these parables, he's establishing that Jesus is a teacher. Which, as we're going to talk about in about a month or so, is one of the four pillars of Hellenism. So just log that one away in your brain for later use. Extra credit in the class when Rob starts to talk about it later. Or maybe, I don't know who gets to talk about it later. But in a bit, we're going to talk about these four pillars. And teaching is one of these pillars. And Mark is setting up Jesus as this great teacher, as a hero through a parable. And we have to wrestle with it and try to figure out and discern what it means. The nice part about this one, we don't have to do that because Jesus does it for us. Conveniently, the next thing he does is explain it to his disciples. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you have been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But those, uh, for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Save that for another day. <clears throat> parable, parable, stay in focus. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? That's, con- that's so nice of him. How considerate. Normally, he's just like, parable, walk away, right? He's like, wait, wait, did you guys get this one? Let me break it down for you. How then will you understand all the parables? If you didn't get this one, uh uh-oh, this is the base level. This is the entry. This is the 101 course. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, the people who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They're excited, but they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution, because of the word, comes along, immediately they fall away. 
and the others <coughs> are the ones sown among thorns. They are those, they are the people who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And they prove unfaithful. But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. little explanation here are four different learners. By the way, did you catch like the sower? The sower is God. The seed, that's the word. Jesus just says, the sower sows the word. He doesn't ever say the seed. He almost never mentions seed. If you look in the Greek, he never, it's like the seed, the word seed is really absent, which we talked many, many moons ago when we covered this in Matthew. Uh, that was in our footnotes podcast for that episode. You can go dig through the archives for that one. Uh, Kyle's on it, actually. The good old days with old boy wonder. But uh, it was a long episode. <clears throat> we had a lot to talk about. But the, the seed is the word. God is the sower. God sows his word into the soil, us. So let's, let's break this down, his explanation. Let's break this down, make sure we... We got these parts figured out. The path, the, the person who's like the path, they just don't understand. It doesn't sink in. It's too hard. They're concrete. The person who's like the soil with the rocks, the rocky soil, that person understands, but they, they, they don't have the depth of, of character, if you will. They don't have the depth to themselves. And so when things get tough, and, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Well, they're not, they're not the tough, the, the rocky soil. When the going gets tough, they wither because they don't have these roots. They don't have anything to cling to. And the person with the thorny soil, well, they understand, they get it, but they can't let go of their idolatry. That's really what it breaks down into. And then the fourth one, the good soil, the soil that we want to identify with. Right? It's like the parable of the Good Samaritan where we're like, we want to be the hero. We want to be the good soil in this story. They understand, and then they do, and they produce this crop. They understand God's word, and they do something with it, and out of doing something with it, a bountiful harvest. Now, just as a side note, it's just, let's critique Jesus' parable. What sort of sower sows seed on bad soil? Like, I'm not the greenest of thumbs, but even I know that if I go put soil on the concrete, or if I go put seed on the concrete, it's not going to grow. I'm not going to waste my time with that. And yet, in this parable, we see God doing that. Me personally, I think that's telling of what type of God we have. I think that speaks to his generosity. Also, I think that he likes to give the Calvinist problems to try and explain away, but more so the generosity thing. So let's break down a little bit of Ramez action because Jesus buried some Ramezes in here. They're fantastic. They're all over. 
What is the first Old Testament passage that you guys thought of hearing this parable? Because you're all brilliant, so immediately you thought of, that's right, Isaiah 55. Of course. Probably not, actually, uh, unless your name's Rob Croyle. Every time we come to this parable, I forget Isaiah 55, and then Rob brings it back up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's still there. (laughs) Someday I'll maybe retain it. Maybe, I don't know. It's rocky soil. I'm that type of learner. I'm a funnel. It's gone. But let's, let's use Isaiah 55 for this. <clears throat> Specifically, verse uh, 10 and 11 here. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, making it bring forth and sprout. Sprout? Parable about seeds sprouting? Giving the seed, oh, to the sower, oh, and bread to the eater. So shall my word, wait, Jesus' explanation, the seed is the word, 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 seed, correlation. You guys see the remez? You see the connection here? So if you knew your Old Testament really, really well, this might be like, hey, Jesus, this is like Isaiah 55, right? I don't know my Old Testament that well, so I always forget it. Maybe I'll remember it since I'm talking about it so much now. That'd be embarrassing if, it, if I didn't. Oof. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So God is saying here, this passage is saying that God, you know that every year I send the rains and things will grow. Every year, to some varying degree, the rains always, rains are coming. And in that same way, every time my word goes out, something, something grows. Something happens to it. Even if the crows come down and get nourished from it, right? Even if it's just fodder for the end, something is going to happen when my word goes out. <laughs> now, right before this part of the passage in Isaiah is a chunk that talks about seeking the Lord, and, and repenting from wickedness and unrighteousness. So in this, in this section, God is saying, I'm making moves. Are you going to get on board? I'm doing stuff. Are you going to get on board? This is super similar to what the parable is telling us. Because it's a remez. They're tied together. Now, second big remez that you probably all immediately got, I I know, I know you guys got this one, like that, your eyes lit up when I said the word hundredfold. Fun fact, in Matthew, it's hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. In Mark, it's thirtyfold, sixtyfold, hundredfold. So, can't harmonize that. Just get it together, guys. Which one was it? No, I'm just creating chaos. Um, but when I said hundredfold, you guys all lit up and immediately thought about Genesis 26, right? 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 Yeah. That's what I thought. Because in Genesis 26, which we talked about in the Genesis series, because we did all of that book, but we talked about this. Rob talked about it, I'm pretty sure. We talked about wells. I think the sermon was titled, Well, Well, Well. Pretty sure I came up with that name. Uh. 
But in Genesis 26, there's this famine in the land, and Isaac is told not to go down into Egypt. So famine, most of the time when there's famine, you want to run off to Egypt, because Egypt always has food. And God says, no. And Isaac stays. Surprise, he listens to God. Doesn't run off to Egypt, okay. Uh, and God says that he will bless him. Uh, and Isaac then settles there, and he doesn't go down into Egypt. And, but Isaac does fall into that same family trap, that generational dysfunction, where he's like, oh, yeah, that's my sister, talking about his wife. You guys remember how this happens all the time for that? It's weird, weird coping mechanism. Gets scared and like, oh, that's my sister. I get it. <clears throat> But despite that, God still blesses him, which I just, that part of the story just bugs me. They still keep screwing up, and God's like, hmm, be blessed. Be blessed more. I don't get that part. It's fine. We'll wrestle with that a different day. But we get down to verse 12 in, in Genesis 26, and it says something, it, uh, something along the lines of, Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in that year a hundredfold. Ding, 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 ding. A hundredfold. And that's the only time in the Old Testament that that gets mentioned. Also, it happens to be the first mention of the word sowed or sowing. It's the first time that shows up. Oh, man, Jesus pulling in some remez action. Like, this is a good one. This is a really easy one to find the remezes in. They just pop out at you, smacking you in the face. And then, and then as the story progresses, Isaac digs a bunch of wells over and over, and, and you can go, go listen to the sermon if you, don't, if you weren't here for that or if you want to refresh yourself. It was probably pretty good. Rob usually does a pretty good job. Uh, but the main drosh, I think, that Jesus is pointing his disciples to with this. Remember this, Isaiah's God is moving. Are you going to get on board? <clears throat> this is... The, the point of this story with Isaac is Isaac is choosing to stay on mission with God, and because of that, he is blessed. And it's not easy. He gets chased around, and he's digging all these wells, and he's chased around, and there's problems, and there's tension, but he stays on mission with God, and it turns out for the best. Not just for him, but for everyone around him. I think the main drosh that, jo- that, that Jesus is putting in here is burying in here this, this nugget of wisdom for us to, dr- to draw out is that if you stay on mission, if you stay on mission, God has good things in store for that. Stay on mission with the calling that God has given you, with the place that God has given you. And I realize, I realize that is incredibly frustrating. I have raged about staying on mission. I'm like, but Egypt sounds so good. I don't wanna. Stay in the mess where you find yourself and tend your soil, I think is what this parable is saying. If you stick this out, if you stick this out, if you stay with it and do what God is calling you to do there, there will be a miraculous stick it out and do what God is calling you to do, then there will be a miraculous harvest. Just as surely as the rains are coming. 
Now, pause for a moment. Why would that be maybe, just maybe, an important teaching for the people that Jesus is speaking to? Why would that be important for a people living under Roman oppression in the midst of the like crossroads cultural trade center of the world where there's always tension and chaos and God put them there, but now they're under oppression. Why, when things are hard, but they have a mission that God gave them, why would this be an important thing for them to understand, maybe? And maybe can we draw some parallels from that to where we are here at Mission Ridge in Missoula? Maybe. So the question probably that you should be asking from this parable that comes out of what type of soil am I? Start there. And then if it's, and then like the choose your own ending, if yes, if you're good soil, keep it up. If no, how do I become good soil? How do I improve my soil? Now, there's some answers that I think come out of other possible remezes, and I'm not going to break all of these down because we would be here forever, and, well, I'm hungry. So we're not going to do that. But I'll tell you where they're at, and you can go look for them and find the specifics, and then you can tell me that I'm wrong. But only if you go look them up. So the first one, I think that if we want to improve our soil and you find yourself, you find yourself in the place where... I am the path. I am a piece of concrete. I just don't get it, right? The solution, gardening metaphor, the solution for hard, compact soil is you break it up, right? You till it. You soften it. Soften. I don't know why I decided to pronounce it that way. I'm going to do it from now on. <laughs> Consistency. But to break up the ground, and, and we get this out of Hosea 10. Hosea, can you see 10? You break up the ground. And how do you break up the ground? By being generous. By modeling a heart of God. We see God as a generous God. He puts seed everywhere. Gives everybody a shot in this parable. Start to develop a heart like God's, a generous heart, and then things will start God's word will start to sink in. Now, this is not only for you. This is a fun, fun little bit. This is the one bit where it like applies to other people in this parable, I think. If I'm trying to help somebody stop being hard soil, the path, I want to till that up. I want to make their heart soft towards God. What's the best way to do that? <laughs> Generously love them. That's what Hosea 10 says. You can go dig around in there and find where that, be like, what is Logan talking about? Go read your Bible. It's there. If you want to get somebody to stop being the path, generously love them. Model that heart of God. If you're right next to them and you're like constantly like, hum, 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 this is what it looks like to love you, they start to get it eventually. Can confirm. Let's talk about if you're the rocky soil. <clears throat> Yo, Adrian. Uh, Isaiah 5. 
Now, also possibly Ezekiel 17, Jeremiah 17, also possible options. Maybe have a conversation, debate about that. But I think Isaiah 5. Isaiah 5. And what, what it talks about in there is embracing God's law. If you want to get the rocks out and grow deep roots, because the rocks aren't necessarily, like, if, if the plant could still grow deep roots, then, then in the parable, the rocks wouldn't necessarily be. But the rocks stop it from growing deep roots. Embrace God's law. Embrace his way of living. Pulls the rocks out. Allows you to develop deep roots so that when the turbulation, when the to- like all of the chaos occurs, when the sun beats down on you, instead of withering, you have deep roots to draw from. When things go sideways, you have the depth to not be uprooted. So many, so many agricultural analogies and puns. Let's talk about the thorns. If I'm, if I'm thorny ground, if I've got weeds all over the place, this might be the most straightforward. If I've got weeds all over the place in my, in my garden, what do you do? Start over. Burn the whole thing. Fire and brimstone. All right. Maybe not. Maybe not. I, that would kill all the good plants, and I like, the, I like my pretty plants. No, I have to get in there, and I have to pull the weeds out consistently. They always come back. we got to put bark chips down this year, Lori. Yeah. <clears throat> Note to self. Uh, anyway, i got to pull the weeds out. Now, in the breakdown of the parable, the thorns, that's the, the temptations of the world, right? They choke out this person. They get distracted and they're like, riches and fame and fortune and idolatries, you know, whatever, whatever they're chasing after. Jeremiah 4, turning away from idolatry. You got to turn away and put your faith in God. Turn away. We got a jealous God. We just sang about it. I didn't think about that. I didn't plan that. That was unintentional. He is jealous for me. That was like a hurricane. I am a tree with deep roots. To follow God's law. Oh man, that works so well. I love it when I'm genius by accident. Anyway, get rid of the things that are going to choke out your relationship with God. That's, that's what we need to. If you're in the place where you are like thorny, there's vines and stuff, things are choking things out, you have to get rid of the things that are choking out your relationship with God with extreme prejudice. That is the only way to handle weeds. Okay, maybe we are on the same page, Cindy. Maybe burn it all. Well, Grandpa Bill's coming out, the flamethrower. Extreme prejudice. You got to pull that. You got to get rid of that. Distractions of all types. That can be people. That can be things. That can be ideas. They can all get in the way and they can choke out. Now, that's not to say that people are bad necessarily, but they can be something that gets in the way and chokes out your relationship with God. And that's not good. Get rid of the thorns, pull out the weeds. That's how you tend that type of soil. If you are like, that's me, that's what you do. But, wait, there's more for $9.99. Jesus will give you another parable. 
He'll tack it right on right afterwards. It's like, bam, 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 bam. And Rob actually has two more next week that are right after these two. Just rapid fire, emptying the magazine. Come both barrels. Jesus is coming at us with the parables here in, this, in Mark 4. Jesus, right after he says, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? The answer is no. But nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. We could spend a lot more time on that, but we put two parables into one sermon. And once again, I'm hungry and we want to get out of here. So we won't spend too much time on this. But the important part, and you're like, why does this tie in with that last parable? Good question. Jesus just told us a parable that, said, that, that asked, like, how prepared are you for what God is doing in your life, right? That's what he just, he's talking about. What type of soil are you? How are you preparing yourself for what I want to do in your life? He just asked us that. He just gave us this question. And then he comes at us with this parable that says, nothing's going to be hidden. Everything will be revealed. So you combine those two together. And what do you get? Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. It means that the world is going to be able to see what type of soil you are. The world is going to be able to tell everybody around you is going to know how well you're taking care of your garden. That's the thing about the gardens. They're outside. People can see them. They know when my flowers look good. They also know when it's like, oh, Logan's been busy, and the weeds are everywhere, right? Logan forgot to water his herb garden. They're all dead. They know. Let's look at Ecclesiastes, old book of wisdom. Got to give credit where credit's due. Rob found this one. It's perfect. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing. Uh, some translations will say hidden thing. Whether good or evil. Every secret thing, every hidden thing. God's going to bring that into judgment, good or evil. Good crop, no crop, seeds went away. Every hidden thing is going to be Laid bare. You can't hide a light. You don't put a lamp under a basket. Now, oddly enough, this section in Ecclesiastes is talking about the purpose of the preacher. Went up and read a little bit above where Rob had found it. I was like, oh, ironic. Recording words of truth and sharing God's word. Once again, word, sharing the word, seeds, remez action. My goodness, it's like Jesus knows what he's doing. Because I'll be, gosh darn it, that sounds a lot like the sower parable. Sounds like it ties right in. 
you know, that kind of leads us right into our implications too, conveniently, because they're up next. Implication number one, tend your soil. Tend your soil. You are in charge of how receptive you are going to be to God's presence in your life. No one else is to blame. You are in charge of that. No one else gets to dictate what type of soil you are. If you're looking at this parable and you're like, I feel like I'm rocky soil, but it's Timmy's fault. I don't, I don't know who Timmy is. There's a Timmy, I'm sorry. It's not your fault. It's only you. You get to dictate what type of soil you are going to be. You are in charge of tending your heart, tending your receptiveness to what God wants to do in your life. That's on you. You get to be in control of that. And this is not a unidirectional thing either. It's not like you just get to good soil and then you're, well, my soil is good, all done, right? No, you have to keep coming back because every year there's more rocks to pick out, more sin and stuff to deal with. Every year there's more weeds. There are things that are like, oh, that looks very nice and bright and shiny, right? every year. And if you don't spend time in God's word, then slowly you just kind of get hard and compact and nothing seems to resonate. And in fact, I, I, would, I would say it's possibly harder to go from bad soil to good soil. It takes more work to get from bad soil to good soil than it is to go from good soil to bad soil. You can just kind of leave it alone and the weeds somehow creep in. You're like, we cleaned that field up years ago. What happened? Or it gets harder and compactly. It, apathy degrades the level of the ground, if you will. So tend your soil. Day in, day out. Without ceasing. Implication number two for some of us that don't like to be judged, is maybe the driver for why you tend your soil, possibly at the beginning. Eventually, maybe you learn to love gardening, but tend your soil because God is going to reveal what type of soil you are. Everybody's going to know about it. This little light of mine, it's going to shine whether I want it to or not. That song was a very, 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 very uh, you know, nice little song, but wrong. Like, there was no, like, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> that assumes that you could stop it. I always thought about putting, like, a candle under a basket. I was like, that's going to catch on fire. <laughs> a little insight into mind of six-year-old Logan. <laughs> the pyro. <laughs> also yesterday. That's, I didn't need to be called out like that, Scott. My goodness. <clears throat> See, no matter what you do, the harvest that comes out of your soil is going to reveal how you've been tending it. It can look really good until harvest comes along, and then all of a sudden, all your stalks of wheat are like falling over because they got no roots. I know this, like in, in my aquariums, every once in a while, I've tried to grow plants many a times, 
And like, if you don't get the seed root down in there deep enough, then the water circulates and then eventually it just like pulls it out. And then you have floating plant life, which might or might not aggravate my OCD that says, no, the plant will go here. It's fine. We're fine. If you aren't spending time with God, if you aren't getting into his word, if you aren't letting that hit you, it's going to show when you get picked off by the birds. When you drift away, it's going to show. You know people like this. It shows. If you're not following God's commands and you're sinning, if you're not really bought into God's laws and how he, inter- how he wants you to interact with people, it's going to come out. You know people like this. You have examples in your head right now. It shows. The idols that you worship, the things that you put that, that are maybe more important than they should be, like maybe coming in between you and God, Everyone sees them. You know, you know those people. Maybe you, 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 ha- you can at least see this in others, and maybe you see it in yourself. Like, people know it's going to be revealed. This is not a happy feeling. Jesus pairs this one, like, oh, it's rough. Land on an up note. But if you are nurturing your soil, if you are tending that well, saying, God, I want to be good soil so that you can do things in my life. If you're doing that, this also means that that's going to show. God's presence in your life will, will end up exploding with some sort of crazy hundredfold harvest. People are going to see that. People are going to see that. Tender soil. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.